This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that only overreacts to the summer league performance of one man, and that man is Ricky Lito. I'm Tim Cato. I'm ready to talk about the Mavericks. I've got Austin Gurria with me. I'm a little worried that Austin is going to overreact to a summer league performance, so I just you got to get out in front of things when you're on a podcast. I've learned this. No overreactions on this podcast, unless it's about Ricky Lito. Can you abide by that? I mean, I'm going to take the fifth on this one. <laughs> I, okay, I'm just, I've laid out the bylaws. So if he violates it, it's not on me. Listen, the Fifth Amendment, that's part of my natural American rights. So, <laughs> Well, we're going to talk Summer League. We are going to talk Jaden Hardy. We're going to talk Mav starting uh, five, Mav's rotation, maybe Mav ceiling. Uh, yeah, honestly, we're going to talk as long as their voices hold up. Um we were both uh, recovering uh, COVID patients, so just about through it. We're 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 fine now. But uh, excuse any coughing or anything uh, of that ilk. Where do you want to start, though? I, I feel like I feel like summer league. We're recording Thursday, uh, Tuesday evening before the Mavs' third summer league game. Jaden uh, Hardy's performance on Monday was a little bit of a dud. Let's let's circle back to that. What do you let's talk let's let's talk starting lineup. I published a story Tuesday morning. You know, I, I wrote in there that the plan right now is that um Christian Wood is gonna come off the bench. And there was a question about this because more or less Jason Kidd had named every starter except uh the fifth one. So it was gonna be him or Bullock. And it was you know, it was very clear. And we have talked on a previous episode because it did seem, you know, when the Mavericks made the wood trade, it seemed very clear to us you know just by the basis of who wood was as a player and you know whether that trade you know what they made that trade for that he was going to be a starter but with mcgee being named a starter you know kid has you know put him in permanent marker he's going to be a starter so is spencer dinwiddie that you know i I do think it'd be pretty weird if they just went away from reggie bullock starter and and you know more specifically two you know two wings starting which brought them all the way to the conference finals. And so that's kind of how you solve that puzzle. Yeah. You know, first, I'm a, a little disappointed in that your article wasn't headline, Wood nailed to the bench. It just seems like a real missed opportunity here. This is why you don't work in journalism anymore. I, I, I It's because I'm just too good for it. I think I, I my, idea, my ideas are too great. Does, does Dime Magazine let you get away with this? <sighs> Sometimes, maybe occasionally. I'm going to talk to your editor. (laughs) But, you know, I actually think it makes sense for their roster construction and for the way Kid likes to define roles on the team. I think, honestly, a a starting lineup of Luga, Spencer, Bullock, Dorian, McGee, that's a really good starting five. And it makes sense. And it it kind of stays in line with the same kind of lineup that they had last year. And McGee's significantly better. Than he's an Powell. upgrade on Powell. Yeah, he's a yeah. much bigger upgrade than right. Powell. You actually get rim protection and a better, not a better rim threat, but a rim threat with a little more range and a little more ability to offensive rebound. Um, and so the starting five, I think, is it's a good starting five. And so if you can bring Christian Wood off your bench and you and he's bought into that idea, that also gives Christian Wood the ability to just come off the bench and just score. He doesn't have to worry about 
defer to Luca or he doesn't have to worry as much about the defense. Cause I'm going to think that he's going to bring in wood alongside Kleber um, when they come in together. And so that it makes, makes his role also easier to find and he can just focus on what he's good at. I think that's one of the things that kid did really well last year is he simplified everyone's role and only allowed them to do the things that they were really good at and really um, amplified their great traits. And so I kind of agree with it. I think it makes a lot of sense and doesn't mean you have to finish with McGee at the five, but, and Wood will still get a lot of minutes, but I think it's a good way to start the game. And also kid wants to start the game defensively. He wants to have a top five defense. Yeah. And I think most games, they're not even, you know, there's no expectation that McGee is going to finish um, any games. You know, certainly I'm sure there's, uh, you know, going to be, Games like that where he does, you know, that is that is something that happens during the course of the season. But, you know, this is a player who is, uh, you know, I don't think ever played more than 25, averaged more than 25 minutes a game. There's a good chance that, you know, he's 34. Uh, there's a good chance that he's closer to 20, closer to 22. You know, that's what they did with Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell, this actually surprised me. I thought Dwight would have averaged more minutes than Maxi just due to Maxi's, you know, injury problems throughout the season. Dwight averaged fewer minutes than Maxi. Average fewer minutes than Kristaps Porzingis when Kristaps was on the team. Dwight Powell was the starter for 89 of the 100 games. He was not the closer and he was not the go-to big man on this team. And, you know, clearly Kid likes something about the idea of a, you know, a, a, I guess a tempo setting or a, or a uh, style setting starter at center. Uh, that isn't the team's best big man. And, you know, if, if that's the plan, if, if that's how the Mavericks enter the season, you know, if, if, if that's the big man trio that they have, uh, when, when October gets here, that it's, it's mostly going to be Axi Kleba and Christian Wood and, and JaVale McGee starting, you know, I, I do think that, you know, the two centers coming off the bench are going to be viewed as more valuable and, and going to get more playing time. Uh, a lot of the times than McGee, but I think McGee is is objectively a better fit, and and for all the reasons you said, you know, the shot blocking, especially just his size, he's just a bigger player than Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell has like the same wingspan as he has height. You know, he's like six eleven in both. Um, I think his his wingspan is seven feet. Uh, Javale's just just big. He just he just takes up more spatial, you know, uh, you, you know size on the court or you know space on the court and so i i think that makes sense to me yeah and quite honestly dwight powell was the worst starting center in basketball there's not a single other team in the nba that would have started dwight powell and javel mcgee has had this starting role before and has won a title three times doing it so he can do it throughout an entire playoff run he's literally done that three times so he, he knows how to play in the playoffs and I, I think people were concerned that he would get played off the floor in a playoff series. And I don't really think that's the case. He didn't really necessarily. Well, he doesn't get, have to play the Mavericks now. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to play Luka Doncic. And so that's, that's a big, <laughs> huge plus. And he's never been played off the, the floor in any other playoff series that he was playing. In, and he's not going to have to play 35 minutes a game. He has a very simple role that he's done and he's elite at. He, his, he's elite in his own role. And as long as he's only asked to do that specific role, that's great. And I think that's why he's here. And that's why he has a three-year deal, because I think he knows how to do that at a very high level. Yeah. As for Christian Wood, you know, I, I think it makes sense in that context as well. If look, first off, he's not the Mavericks second best player. I saw that floating around. That's that's a that's a big, big reach 
about, you know, just looking what he averaged in Houston and then being like, that's the second biggest number. If you look at last season's Mavericks, let's not do that. He is not the Mavericks second best player. Who is this Mavericks second best player? Uh, I mean, at this point, uh, Finney Smith, um, very possibly Finney Smith. Uh, I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie, when we see his play. Uh, has a good chance here. Look, dude, I think Reggie Bullock is far more important to the Mavericks' success, success next season than Christian Wood. Am I wrong? Like you, you're it's, welcome to push back. It's but. funny because I kind of agree in that, like, if they lose Christian Wood, I mean, it would suck. But like, they have McGee and Kleber, and they can still play the same style that they played last year and still be a really good team. Christian Wood almost just feels like a like a huge like bonus, like. Pretty much everything that he gives you is just like extra. It's honestly, it's a shame they lost Brunson because they really found a way to really upgrade their roster with some very small, smart moves. And if they still had Brunson, they would be a, honestly a, a really, really good playoff rotation. If you think about the rotation is actually already pretty much filled out. Finding minutes for guys is going to be pretty tough between Hardaway, Bullock, and Dorian, and then Kleber, McGee, and Wood. Some of those guys are going to play the four occasionally, and you already have three wing players are going to play a lot of minutes. I mean, it's they, they need another point guard to shore out the rotation, but the rotation is it's going to be tough for guys to get minutes. They're not they're going to be guys who don't play a lot of minutes the next year that thought they were going to play more minutes. Like like who 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 would you guess? I'm going to guess Hardaway might get squeezed out a little bit. He might play his fewest minutes that he's played as a Maverick in a full season. I mean, it could be zero. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like there is, there is, there is absolutely no guarantee. Tim Hardaway Jr. is on the Mavericks next season. Um, I'm, I'm not, this is not reporting. I'm not reporting anything. Um, it, it's, I would be, I would be stunned if there wasn't a trade between now and the start of the regular season. Absolutely Same. stunned. Um, and I would be surprised if it didn't involve more than one player. Would you say that, you know, two of the players that weren't at their summer league posse hang out? Keep going. Tim Hardaway and, and Dwight Powell. Keep going. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm just trying to put two and two together. Yeah. Just trying to read it. I'm just trying to read people's Instagram stories and figure out trades that way. I know you can report and talk to people inside the organization, but the real detective work happens online. I, I didn't. I didn't feed you this. We we did not talk about this before. Uh, before going on air, um, I would say that's a. And again, I'm not. I, I genuinely am not reporting something here. I, I would say that is an interesting observation that uh, I also made. So, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it yeah, seems like you can yeah. consolidate that into a a trade for a good player. It just it's it's it's. I mean, for one thing, it's looking hard for the roster to look complete. Uh, without a trade happening, I, they chose not to sign Goran Dragic. I think that's fine. I think that's fine with the understanding that they will have another guard coming. You know, they 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 need a guard. If could you imagine the Mavericks even being competitive against a medium team, a middling team, if Luka Doncic misses a game next season, as their roster is currently constructed? I can't. They don't like. Spencer Dinwiddie alone? They could, but then Spencer Dinwiddie can't play 48 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even then. So so think back to when Luka missed a few games last season uh, after the trade. Pretty much their only avenue to winning those games 
was Brunson and Dinwiddie scoring 60 plus and then doing enough to kind of, you know, help the other guys chip in, uh, you know, around the edges. Uh, they they have to have another playmaking guard. I mean, it's not going to be Jaden Hardy. Um, no, that's we can pivot there in a sec, but it's it's yeah. I mean, this is an incomplete roster. You, you cannot you cannot look at this roster and say, oh yeah, okay, they're done. Um, I mean, maybe Josh Kroom point guard is is coming. <sighs> I mean, is he on the roster? Um, I think he will be. Um, and I, I still think he's he's a few. I, I've talked to. I don't want to talk about Josh Green. Um, very lo- lovely chap. Um, yeah, they need a point guard. Uh, they still need a wing. Do they need a wing? I, do you think Tyler Dorsey is? I mean, Tim Hardaway. To a, Tim Hardaway is a wing. I, I. They keep saying they need a wing, and that's why I think they're going to trade Hardaway. I'm like, you, you have a, a a wing that you just paid a lot of money to last year, who is your second best player. In a playoff series, and he's going to come off the bench and fill in a lot of minutes. I don't like the whole. They need a, a backup wing has been very confusing to me when they just gave somebody that's on their bench seventy five million dollars last summer, and he was good. He was very. Everyone would have universally said he was the second best player in that playoff series last year, and he's going to supposedly play a lot of minutes. So I don't know why you would need another wing on top of that that's going to come in and play minutes outside of Josh Green's occasional minutes that he can play yeah it is it is funny to contrast their two statements you know nico has said more or less we're getting tim hardaway back that's essentially like a free agency free agent signing and has also said we need another wing you know we need another three and d guy hardaway doesn't play defense and to me it, it so much you know jason kidd i think is very clearly focusing on defense you know yeah not very clearly like he's he's said as much you know his 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 words his mouth his actions like every aspect of Jason Kidd has said that he's really defensively focused it's why i think the McGee you know both signing and starting McGee uh you know the best rim protector this team has had and Chris Stapps was pretty good but you know certainly much 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 better than than Dwight Powell and you know more of a deterrent than Maxi uh, Kleber is yeah I, I think that's where a lot of this decision making and and you know thought process comes from, and so I don't know. I mean, I I, I would think that they would need another wing um, on the roster. You know, certainly if Hardaway isn't on the roster, yes, if Hardaway's on there, that's fine. Um, I don't think that's really a player that they should look at and think that they have any need to keep him. Let's put it that way. Um, if he's on the roster, you make use of him. But as you're talking trades and as this team is still very likely going to make a trade, I would not view parting with Tim Hardaway Jr. with any sort of qualms or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, if you're just looking at the roster construction, it would be nice to turn Tim Hardaway into a nice, good, to a Tim Hardaway level point guard. It would be nice to just shift those responsibilities to a point guard and then bring in a backup wing. That would make sense to me. But when they talk about bringing in a backup wing when you already have one, that's where I was like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. There's only 48 minutes in a basketball game, Tim. I don't know if you know that. But it's there's only so many minutes to go around to play the, the two and the three position. And so I just I found a lot of that that talk very strange when you have a guy on your roster that was on your leadership committee last year. Sometimes there's like 58 minutes in a basketball game. 
63 even. I don't think the Mavericks have played a 63-minute basketball game in a very long time. It's been a few seasons at least. You're not wrong. Like a few decades, but I think. Yeah, that was also when the leadership council was in place. And so, you know, again, that was... If Honestly, I guess I've never said this explicitly. Um, the leadership council, to the extent that it existed, was a... And I'm not, this is this, I'm not casting, you know, any sort of judgment on it. It it was basically an anti Carlisleism. It was a, the players, the locker room felt that Rick had no synergy with what the players actually wanted. And Jason Kidd came in and said, okay, I'm not just going to listen to what the players want and tell them, you know, this is, you know, I'm valuing your input enough that I'm going to ask you about it on a weekly basis and you're going to vote on the starting lineup. No, no, I'm going to I'm going to make it into a council and I'm going to tell the media about it on the first day. But it's funny because like on any normal sports team, not even basketball, you just have captains and the captains talk to the coach and the captains talk to your team and that's just how it goes. The <laughs> Yeah, but, we don't but, have to rehash this, but it was a very, it was, I, honestly, I enjoyed the performative nature. I honestly, truly, truly enjoyed it. It showed me that he actually really cared about trying to connect with the team. Yeah, no, it did. It did. No, it was, look, it was a, it was a very good, not just PR move, but like culture it was, setting. Move. It was, it was, um, it, it worked. It was very but effective. But to your point about captains, uh, what if the captain of two seasons ago had no interest in talking to the head coach at the time? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you can connect the dots here. It's, it's, you, you can see how that broke down a little bit. <laughs> and by a little bit, I mean a lot over the course of like an entire season. Um, you got anything else to say about the roster as, as it's currently constructed? Because what? I do want to talk about Jaden Hardy. You know, what's, what's going on in Dallas? What's, what is, what's going on in Dallas? You can't steal, wasn't it last episode I made this bit? Or, or did this bit again? Also, sorry, sorry, we've been like a week off. Um, the uh, the COVID bug uh, took a second to get over, but um, we're we're back in full swing here for as long as we are. Someone said the COVID bug is still here. Yeah, you know, we both have it, so we can be in the same room together. That's so. that's true. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Jaden Hardy? I know, I know that um, after his first game, you love a hot take. And you, even more than that love and overreaction, and I swear to God, you texted me, I think Jaden Hardy's going to play like a real role next season. You still feel that after Monday's game? I mean, technically, as the roster is constructed right now, he has to play a real role because he's one of three players who can dribble on the the roster Can he dribble, though? He can, just not into a crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His dribbling has been one thing that stood out to me and not in a good way. Um, his, his passing, his vision has stood out to me in a good way. So I do like that, but uh, he's really got to tighten the handle. He's got to tighten the handle, and he's still a, a bad decision maker. Like yeah. A, a bad basketball. He's going to be good when they just make it easy for him. In the first game, mm-hmm. they made things easy for him. He played off the ball a lot, and he got into some nice easy actions, and he was able to attack the rim. He's a really talented basketball player. He can really play. But he needs to have the game simplified for him. And the second game, he had the ball a lot more. And he's not a run 20 pick and rolls a game player. He's not that yet. And he's more of an off-ball two-guard right now. And also, he played against Taco Fall in the second game. And Taco Fall just destroyed that game. Just just made that game an absolute mess to watch. No one one on that summer league team knew how to handle a 7'6 guy just standing in the paint. (laughs) 
<laughs> which was very funny to watch. But I think he's a, a honestly just, that's great value to get someone like that in the second round, who I think can be a good rotation player down the line and has the uh, kind of upside that you need to hit on when you don't have that, as many assets as the Mavericks do. And he's a guy. Also, he has pedigree. He has. If he even flashes any sort of skill level, he becomes a trade asset because you can get people to believe in him. And that's the kind of thing that they need on this team because they don't really have anything like that. And I mean, I, I would put him in he, Jordan Poole should be the ceiling for him. That's, that's what he should look at and be like, maybe it takes him a year. He needs to go play in the G League a little bit more. He needs to go figure it out. But that's the kind of talent that he has and the kind of player that he probably could be. I, I agree with all of that. Um, I, I like the pick. I, I think it's it's the right type of uh, swing for the Mavericks to make, uh, the right opportunity to trade into the draft to draft a player like that. I thought that athletically, uh, from what I've seen in summer league, it's very clear he's going to fit right in. Um, you know, not to say that he doesn't need to bulk up, that that he won't be bullied at times, but he athletically is is going to be a guy who can beat defenders in the NBA on the NBA level at at, at the NBA level. Um, I'm pretty confident about that, and that's like. That's a good starting point. Like to have, you know, the, the physical size, the, the frame, uh, to be able to, you know, you, you can clearly see someone's going to be able to take contact. He's going to be able to get first steps and, and, you know, get, uh, you know, get separation on guys. Um, I don't know, you know, right now he's not a, he's not a guy who's drawing, you know, who projects or, you know, in the G League, he wasn't a guy who drew a lot of contact, went to the foul, foul line a lot. Um, you know, maybe that comes, but just being a guy who can get to, you know, get separation. That's important. You know, that's, that's like a, a, it's not just being athletic. A lot of players are athletic. That is a functional athleticism. That's, that's one of those functional athleticism traits that's really important to have in a player. And I feel already like he has that. I also really like that his jump shot mechanics are not uh, perfect. He's not going to be a, a, you know, a guy who ever shoots 40% on threes. I don't know about that. Maybe in time. That, Maybe in time. That's actually kind of low key his his superpower. That's the that's the player that he was in. High, that's actually why he was number two in his high school class because he can shoot it. And his his numbers are just if you look at his G League numbers and you just looks right there they're they don't look great. The efficiency doesn't look great. But he not to compare him to Kobe Bryant. But you know what? When you look at Kobe Bryant's shooting efficiency, they're they're bad. But then you're like you're taking the most ridiculous shots possible. He has a shot-making decision problem, but not a shot-making problem, if that makes sense. And, like, one thing that I found about him in the G League is that he, I think he shot 52% on all unguarded jumpers in the G League, which is an insane percentage. That's two-pointers and three-pointers, but any unguarded jumper... Interesting, yeah. 52%, which is a really high I, number. I don't even know how to pull that stat, so I'm, I'm glad it exists. Yeah, I'm glad someone else pulled it up, but yeah. he, he's he's a shooter, and that's the guy that I would... If he wants to have a role as a rookie, the player that he should try to emulate himself after, and it's kind of not a, a traditional comp, but he should try to be Landry Shamit. Just, just needs to be catch-and-shoot, doesn't need to really do too much. Doesn't need to put the ball on the floor that much in year one. Just pure catch and shoot. Oh, guy. as a rookie, that's as a, a, as a interesting. Rookie. Yeah, as I a like rookie, that. if he wants, if he wants to have a role and he wants to play, he can just uh, catch the ball from Luka Doncic and shoot the ball because he can shoot it. And if he can just focus on that, if he can make it really, really, really simple, he can find a role in year one. But it has to be a very, very basic, very simple role for him. My my broad assessment of that that he's too. 
he he's too uh ball orientated in the sense that he needs the rhythm of bouncing it uh, a decent amount. But I do really like that his jump shot can like he can get he can get it. Yeah, he can get he can get it to like he can That's a skill. Right. No, 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 it is. Uh I I kind of just said something without you know, like the the idea that he can step back into shots, the idea that he can cross over into shots. Like being able to execute dribble moves to sidestep to pull up like being able to get that jumper and also josh green can't do that you know like when we're talking about broadly when i'm trying to assess what a jumper could be you know like the ability to use your frame and have comfort with the jumper to reliably get into it uh in a lot of different ways uh there's a lot of value in that and that's, I think, you know, even though the percentages are not there in summer league, they weren't there in G League at, at you know, at all, all times, even if they improved. I think that's immediately something that, you know, I, I look at it and I think, okay, that's, that's a positive and, and that's a reason to think that this is, you know, a really smart player, uh, for them to move up and draft. And it's also good. Uh, there is some confusion, uh, on my part as well. Um, I, I was not, uh, sure that the, I, I had I had both been to- told, and there was initial reporting that they had given the entire uh, taxpayers MLE to Javel McKee. They did save the portion that they needed to get an extra year of team control on Jaden Hardy, and that's a really good move. It also makes my concerns about the Javel McGee contract a little softer. The idea that it's it's you know just a million yet less per year. He's at six million a year. I'm like, that's not a horrible. And he's well. He's now at five point one. Five point. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, so. So it's it's going to be. I, I believe the number is a uh, three for seventeen point two, and it's five point one, and it ascends. Um, I believe that's the number. And if there were teams out there offering him the full thing, if you have to offer him three years and a player option to get him at that reduced level to make sure you could re-sign Hardy. I don't love it. I thought it was two in a player option. Or sorry, two in a player option. Um, three with a player option. Yeah. Dude, prepositions. I hate them. They're, they're tough. What, what if we got rid of prepositions? What if we, but what if you had to put them in phrases and you had to like identify them? Um, I don't do that. I just write. <laughs> I leave. The, I leave the rules for my editors. <laughs> they can. They can figure that stuff out. Um, yeah, anyway, all that is to say that I, I, I don't have any serious issues with the JaVale McGee um, contract, assuming this roster gets filled out. I would not have used the taxpayer MLE necessarily to target a center, but I think targeting JaVale, he's going to be a good fit. He's a good player. Um, he may decline, but you can figure that out when you get there. I mean, they gave three for 30 to Dwight Powell. That's, I think, way worse. Who's they? Them, out there, the before in the before times. Someone with the map certainly did. <laughs> um, what else do you want to talk about? Do we need to? Do we need to touch on Jalen Brunson at all? You have a you have a goodbye that you want to say? An official? I mean, I hope he enjoys Donovan Mitchell in New York. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it's. Um, and I will say, out of out of all the potential trade candidates. You know, if the, the the Mavericks are not going to be making a trade, they're going to be involved in trades. You know, like is that you know what I'm saying? You know, like like the Mavericks are not out here in all likelihood 
making a direct swap with a team that's going to be completely uninvolved with what's happening in Utah and Brooklyn. But there's room around the edges that they can work, and that's what they're trying to do. I think Utah is much more interesting than Brooklyn or teams that are trying to deal with Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. I think, does Utah have a point guard that they're just not using right now? They have three of them. I think. So, so look, they're not getting Donovan. Let's, let's, let's. I wasn't, I don't I, think I know, I know, I know. Mike Conley, uh, Patrick Beverly. Oh, yeah. And, um, and even Jordan Clarkson. That would, that's, I think, probably, honestly, I would go, I would go Beverly. I, I literally might feel, I don't know. I, I think, I, I think. I think Conley would be my preferred. Yeah. You have an adult point guard that can just run things. If Luca has to miss five games, there's, an, there's a point guard that can, that can go win you NBA games for five games. And he doesn't have to play 30 minutes. If he's, if he's coming here and he's playing 25 minutes a game off the bench, that's actually a great role for Mike Conley. And you don't have to, you don't have to rely on Mike Conley, but Mike Conley can also help you. I actually think that's a pretty good fit for them. Yeah. And if somehow you get a, Bogdanovich in that in that deal that would be a, a huge pickup. Yeah, that's kind of like a, a two for one solving. I'm not suggesting that's even possible. Um, certainly, if I'm Utah, I don't immediately look at what Dallas could potentially offer and think, "Oh hell yeah, let's do this." Um, you don't want a little Dave Burt, but much? again, the the idea is that if Donovan Mitchell is being traded, then it's moving to a teardown, right? Yeah. And and teardowns are they have different rules. When a team is tearing down, they have different guidelines they operate under. The traditional sense of value and what is impactful just just changes a little bit. Yeah, I think the only um, deficit the Mavs will face is that they don't have a lot of draft ammo to go after guys like that. I think when you're in a teardown, you're looking for younger players or for draft picks. To my understanding, they can trade uh, 2025 and 2027 at this point. Um, the pick the 2023 pick to the Knicks is conditional but I believe there's a way you can word it where everybody knows the Mavericks will convey the 2023 pick right yeah and so basically you can word the 2025 pick so that it converts into something else into second rounders if it doesn't convey and so the team trading for your 2025 pick would be taking a very tiny gamble that the Mavericks don't suddenly tank out but there's also you know it would take stuff we shouldn't talk about, like injuries, like catastrophic injuries, uh, for that to even be on the table. Luke and also, Luca wants to go to Spain for a year and just hang out. <laughs> and also, even then, if I remember right, um, I believe this final pick is like top three protected. Um, the the twenty twenty three one that the Mavericks are sending. I think it's top ten. Is it top ten? Yeah, it went 10. one way or the other. It was either top three, top seven, top ten, or the opposite way around. So maybe it is top ten. So that that does offer just a touch more risk if you know the the worst case scenario happened in Dallas. But anyway, the point is that they can trade a couple future first rounders. Um, but we're just, we're just talking hypotheticals. Just just guys being dudes, guys. Just just naming guys on on in the NBA. We're naming no, we're worse than that. We're naming draft picks. Name just talking we're, about we're, conditional picks, talking about pick protections. Maybe we can convert this into two seconds down the line. Oh my god. Um do you think we can get some cash considerations back? Do you think when when you trade for cash considerations, do you think do you think that cash is wired? Do you think they bring you actual cash in a briefcase? It's a, it's pennies. It's pennies. Use their yeah. jars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 take like a Brinks truck and they just stack. They just stack the back of it with pennies. 
Um, That's rough. Isn't it crazy? Like it, it costs more money to mint a penny than like it costs more than a cent to mint a penny. Is that why we have inflation? <laughs> Folks, I, is, I know you guys came here for a big money talk. See, we're blaming, we're blaming penny stocks. Penny stocks are the demise <laughs> of the U.S. economy um, because just look at the penny. Um, we were talking about something. Oh, yeah, we were talking. <laughs> we haven't, uh, me and Austin haven't had a actual social interaction in a while, so we're both working back into this. It's, um, it's, it's Jalen Brunson. It's, it's Jalen Brunson how we're going to close this. There was talk that the Mavericks were going to do a side and trade, uh, to my understanding. Fred Cass has reported this. There was not talk until some point last week where, um, the Knicks reopened that idea for a second, to my understanding. And it didn't go anywhere. And Jalen Brunson is a Nick, and there is no sign of trade. I will, without reporting, but doing some heavy tin cap speculating, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best Brian Winhorst. It is sure interesting that the Donovan Mitchell stuff is coming out this week. And one week ago, New York was like, well, actually, maybe we are into a sign and trade. And my thinking, if I had to speculate, is that New York is absolutely going for Donovan Mitchell. That's not even speculation. Like, they no, went that, to his game, I along mean, with Jalen Brunson. There, there was already a report that already came out today from Tony Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that. My colleague. Your colleague at the Athletic. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if, if the Mavericks... Or, or if the Knicks were like, what if we can offload something or, or, you know, I don't know what they would have done that would have been beneficial if they weren't bringing back like an actual player. And that's what we were talking about before free agency started. And at this point, I, I don't think, you know, Evan Fournier, no. Like, it's not even workable within, you I, know, I think the really, talk was Cam Reddish coming back. Cam Reddish would have, it would have I, offset the salary. I think that's they, a player if I'm the Mavericks I would have taken a flyer on. Yeah. Sure. And I was like that I thought that that's if they did do a side and trade that Cam Reddish would be the guy cuz I don't think they are super invested in him anymore and he offset the salary and then Tibbs gets to keep Tosh Gibson which we know how much Tibbs loves Tosh Gibson. That's true. And the Mavericks get their backup rotation wing that they just get to take a take a big swing on. So I, I thought it would be something small like that. I didn't think getting their pick back for 2023 was feasible. Thought that was I, I believe that's what they wanted. Yeah. But so I, it would have been nice, but I didn't think that the Knicks were going to do that. But it would be very funny if after all this, Brunson leaves to get a bigger role and then they trade for Donovan Mitchell and now he's in the itty bitty backcourt committee with Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> you just come up on with that on the spot. <laughs> what a, what an insulting nickname. <laughs> That is that is truly just demoralizing. I will go. I will go with the itty bitty backcourt committee. I wish for, they still had Kimba. <laughs> I wish they did. Oh boy, that that will I will be using for get, a very long let, time. Let's, let's go get them Yogi Ferrell. <laughs> what's um uh, what's Nate Robinson up to? Oof, cheese, <laughs> man. Um, yeah. So so that's the sign and trade stuff. Um. Honestly, I have nothing more to say about just the overall departure. Um, he wanted to leave. I've I've laid out the two sides. Everybody knows the two sides. Like what each side is saying. I if he wanted to be here, he'd be here. That's where, that's where I've landed. If he wanted to be here, he'd be here. 
Yeah. And I still believe to an extent that there was a money offer that he would have wanted to be here. But the Mavericks weren't going to offer him the max. And they, and they have. shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. They would have been dumb to. I, I do think that at some point the Mavericks had a had a threshold that they weren't going to top. And I don't know if it was under or over what I, I bet I bet it was I don't know. Um Yeah, I don't know if it was under or over what the Knicks were gonna offer him. Or or ultimately signed him to, I should say. But I I do understand that like there should have been a threshold. As much as Mark Cuban wants to come out and, and say, you know, they never had a chance to offer him, it like they did have a number, right? Yeah, and I think I mean, quite frankly, it's front office malpractice not to have a a, a point that you're going to bail out of this. Yeah, and I think, and of course they did, you know, and that number was not the max. It should not have been. He is not worth a max player, and it, I don't think it would have been good. No, and I think they'll eventually be able to actually replace his production and use that 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 salary cap slot at some point down the line to bring something in back. Right, and I think his loss is more that. You lose the opportunity to get to root for a player that you drafted and that you got to watch grow with your team. Right. I think that is where the real loss is. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people are feeling this hurt because everyone liked Jalen personally, and people liked watching him grow into a player he grew into. No one thought that Jalen Brunson could score forty points in a playoff game. Like if you would ask me in January when he was getting offered fifty five million for four years, and that was like, oh, that's a nice number I, for him. I mean, brother, if you had asked me at halftime of game two against Utah, yeah. <laughs> I would have said, no way he's going for 40 this game. And he he grew into a really good right. player who averaged 20 points a game for a Western Conference Finals team. And quite honestly, pretty much no one thought that he could do that. And so it was it's a lot of fun to watch a guy grow to draft and grow with your team, and he's a fun guy. And that's a that's a loss. That's a it's an an intangible loss that you really can't make up for. But I think from a basketball production asset standpoint, they can figure it out and and recover from this. And it's not like destructive to their total team building. But I, I like rooting for Jalen. I think everyone liked rooting for Jalen. I think everyone wanted to see Jalen come here and win and win with Luca and win with Dorian. I think that's fair. I, th- I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, you know, like I even had, I've, I had even jotted down story ideas that I thought I might you know, work with Brunson on, you know, like, like, you know, film studies, you know, like he, he had a, he is a very, he's, he's very perceptive. Um, I, I always enjoyed talking basketball with him. I thought he was somebody who, when he understood the interviewee knew what they were talking about or the interviewer, um, as an interviewee, when he understood that the interviewer, uh, knew what they were talking about, he would rise to the occasion. So to say that he, that he would, you know, kind of break out of cliches, and, and, you know, I felt like he did that with me at times. And, and so, you know, as a, as a journalist, as a reporter, you know, I, I enjoyed talking with him. I enjoyed the idea that, you know, he would treat, uh, you know, he would answer my questions differently than, you know, a random reporter he had never seen before. Um, because he understood, you know, just kind of the, uh, what was, you know, the reasoning and the, in the, in the care that I was putting into questions that it wasn't just another, you know, kind of, you know, random cliche. Um, and, and yeah, I enjoyed talking basketball with him. You know, I thought, I thought that he, he had interesting insights. And so, yeah, in that context, absolutely. You know, even me personally, I, I'm, I'm bummed out. And I, I think on a, on a broad sense, people who've got to know, um, 
you know, what, who Jalen is. And, and that's what you do as a, as a sports fan rooting for a sports team. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably the biggest loss out of, out of all of this. Yeah. You know, you don't write or just root for sports, root for people playing sports. And so right. it's a, it's a, it's a big loss. You know, it's a big loss. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he's uh, accepted here when he comes back to play next year. Do you think he's going to get booed? I think th- I think it's going to be mixed. I think it's going to be some yeah. people are people are mad. He, he it's also it's weird to leave a team that went to the conference finals. If he had like you know got like lost in five to Utah and he had played great and they just didn't have it, it would be one thing. But people got attached, and I think I think he probably gets booed. Quite honestly, yeah, I think I think mixed is probably the. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like a 60 40 thing. I don't know which side it falls on. Yeah. I, I do think that there are a lot. I've seen a lot of fans pushing back on the people who are mad. So I do think that there's a fairly decent sized uh, proponent on, on of both of them. I, I think that, uh, you know, I also think that some of the mad fans are have decided to be mad at Mark Cuban instead of uh, of Jalen Brunson, fair or not. Um I think I think that's interesting though. Yeah, it'll be it'll be I, it'll be, I think it's yeah. I'm legitimately interested to see. And, and like there's out. been there's been no opponent that has created more lunacy and that the Mavericks have faced the past few years than the Knicks. Every like, Knicks those game games, is so they're so weird. Those games are bizarre. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's it. We've we've gone we've gone far. We've gone for a while. You got anything else? That's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. Um, I have more episodes planned in the coming weeks. Um, obviously, if there's news, we will tackle that. But there's a few interviews I have lined up. And then at some point, we will take an off-season break. I have vacations to go on and things such as that. When we come back next season around training camp, uh, I don't think I've said this yet. We're going to be a twice-a-week podcast. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but you'll see us. We'll be in the feed. Thanks for listening. We'll see you. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick donjage from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? the future it tears me apart don't fight the future please be nice to luca future four-time mvp oh my god oh!